please be seated. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and Duke University, the home of the Blue Devils. <laughs> it is a blessing to be with you in this faith community. Um, I appreciate Dean Owen's invitation and for Reverend Adrian Cook, who was once on the chapel staff um, down at Duke, and just a blessing to be with them last night and have some fellowship and friendship. And I realize now that this is really a Trinitarian church. Um, I was here for the 9 a.m., and that one was for the Father, and the Trinity Forum was for the Son, I guess. And this one is for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so it's wonderful to share with you one more time. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Blow through our hearts and our minds. For we need a fresh wind of your word. Do what only you can do. Speak, for your servants are listening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. My sermon is entitled, The Coming Conjunction. The Coming Conjunction. We often pray the Lord's Prayer and make the plea on earth as it is in heaven because our present doesn't seem to match God's promise, God's dream for the world, a dream articulated by Dr. King that the jangling discords of a nation would be transformed into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood and sisterhood, a dream where all of God's children would be free and join hands. I mean, some would say that the dream has become a nightmare and is an unfinished symphony. But nonetheless, we keep dreaming in 2023. As people of faith, we want God's future now, God's future present on earth as it is in heaven. And many have yearned for and dreamed of God's future throughout history in different ways. Before the end-time imaginary predictions of the Left Behind book series or the visions of the now-deceased Christian radio broadcaster Harold Camping, there was the year 1806. And in that year, a domesticated hen in Leeds, England, appeared to lay eggs inscribed with the message, Christ is coming. Many people reportedly went to see this hand and began to despair of the coming judgment day. However, it was soon discovered that the eggs were not, in fact, prophetic messages of the future, but the work of their owner, who had been writing on the eggs in ink and reinserting them into the poor hen's body. If it was the end of anything, it was the end of that poor hen. <laughs> and that whole situation also reminds us that everything that is so-called prophetic may be a pathetic lie. 
But before hens or heralds, there is the revelation of John, literally the apocalypse of John. Don't get nervous. I'm not making any predictions today. But what we hear from this vision anyway is much more hopeful and joyful than the usual doomsday predictions we hear. It's much more expansive. It's, it's much more expansive than the way we usually live or how we think. It is God's dream for the world. But when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, our present doesn't seem to match God's promise in this vision. There was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. The palms were a sign of joy and triumph. But even in what is considered utopia, the perfect world, God's world, God's eternal home, there's a question that arises from this encounter with difference and diversity from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages. And the question is, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? Where have they come from? Here's someone who already knew the answer to his question, showing us that sometimes we ask questions for which we already know the answer. Do I have to pay my electricity bill this month? Do I really need to get out of bed this morning and go to work? As pastor or priest, do I really need to go to the worship committee meeting where we talked about the last committee meeting, where we talked about the last committee meeting? Should I pray? Should I vote? Where have they come from? The elder who asked this knew that these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. He's referring to the persecution of the Christians in Asia Minor, a time of brutality under the Roman imperialism, which is why Revelation is known as crisis literature. And Lord knows we are living in a national political crisis today. These in Revelation were Christian martyrs who suffered and died for the faith all across the world. Where have they come from? It's almost as if he's surprised by who is there, like ants or spiders sneaking their way into our homes. We wonder where they came from. I mean, you know how we like to say they or them, which is a way of saying not us, not our church, not our denomination, not in our house, not in our social clubs and networks, not at our workplace or in our neighborhood, not our race. They, you know, moving into our neighborhood so quickly and, and so we put up a for sale sign to take flight. They, speaking a language that isn't even English and taking employment and opportunities away from others. They, the way they dress, the way they practice their religion, the way they discuss their gender, they, where have they come from? I mean, we, not they, may be in for the surprise of our lives when we see who is in that great multitude no one can count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages, they may not be in our relationship circles, but they have always been a part of the circle of God. 
They came from God, born of God, breathed into this world by God's love. God is not the problem. Look at this vision of God's future from John. No, often we are the problem. French philosopher Jacques Derrida and others are onto something when they attempt to de deconstruct our binary oppositions. We love binaries, that is, we adore either or, white or black, male or female, rich or poor, Republican or Democrat, faith or science, them or us. And if you live in North Carolina, Eastern Carolina barbecue or Western Carolina barbecue, <laughs> the binary pits one thing against another with one being greater or better or more powerful we function with an either-or mentality many times, even when it comes to the kingdom of God, evangelical or mainline, tongue-talking or wine-tasting Christian. But it's God's kingdom, not ours. Where have they come from? I mean, they aren't supposed to be here. They don't have the right ID or not even a GED, and they always wear a hoodie. I never met them. And God never asked me for a reference letter on their behalf. Where have they come from? I mean, when our operative theological modality is they, we can quickly other someone and stick them in an object camp of non-human entity in order to control them. We adore the or. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is an and God with a wide tent, the great multitude that no one could count, not you or you, but you and you. Our disjunctive or disjointed vision is why some people don't know if we believe in justice or just us. But just as suffering is non-discriminatory for this great number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, so is God's love, which will wipe every tear from every eye. We may be an or people, but God is a conjunctive God with a conjunctive imagination from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, and with all of the talk about building walls and borders and the treatment of immigrants and refugees, they... And the rise of Christian nationalism, it's so critical to remember that God so loved the world and not just the United States of America because God has a conjunctive imagination. Every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages and this is not a vision of singularity but one of plurality, not a me perspective but a we perspective. When Jesus enters the, the temple in the Gospel of Mark, he reclaims that space as a house of prayer for all nations. On the day of Pentecost and Acts, there's a vision of the joining together of ethnicities and languages and cultures. Even God in God's own being is conjunctive. Father and Son and Holy Spirit, three persons in one. Our future as the people of God is to see the promise to Abraham that we hear in Genesis fulfilled by his offspring that all the nations of the earth will gain blessing for themselves. It may take a while 
for God's promises to be fulfilled. But they will be fulfilled. The and will come to pass. Both and. Not either or. Every tribe and all tribes and every nation and all peoples and languages, like the spiritual says, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, and, and you and me, brother, in his hands. You and me. Conjunctive. God makes room for every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. There's always room for more in God's economy. The unknown black bards, the creators of the spirituals, out of the bosom of black slave religion embodied the more. As Peter Paris once wrote that he reminds us that slave Christianity was distinct from slaveholding Christianity in that it was thoroughly non-racist. Get on board, little children, we hear in the spiritual. Get on board, little children, there's room for many a more. The fair is cheap and all can go. The rich and poor are there. No second class aboard this train. No difference in the fare. Get on board, little children. There's room for many a more. There's room for the conjunctive and. Rich and poor. Now, we have a choir here this morning. And a choir is not a soloist, though sometimes, not this choir, some diva sopranos may think they are the choir. But for a choir to be a choir, we need and. Sopranos and altos and tenors and basses, both and, not either or. Where have they come from? I mean, when we worship at the altar of binary oppositions, even as Christians, we can write people out of the book of humanity, leaving and living our disjointed vision rather than the conjunctive hope of God. But a conjunctive imagination recognizes that there is a number in the throne room of God which no one can number. To function with a conjunction theology is to openly embrace the other. It is anti-closure and anti-dominance. It is the embrace of the whole community of God. And as we sang, the one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. We, we get into trouble when we want to close people out and box them in and shut them up because they don't look like us, act like us, or think like us. And just because they are not like us, we think they are not gods. But John's revelation of God's future reminds us that there's a great multitude that no one could count from east and west North and South meeting for the fellowship in Christ, the holy rollers and the frozen chosen. Dr. King understood conjunctions. In what became his final book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? In his final chapter, he reveals his ultimate goals, his, his dream of dreams, if you will. His last chapter is the telos of his life's work, and he calls that chapter the World House, which is a global communitarian ethic where he says black and white, Easterner and Westerner, Gentile and Jew, Catholic and Protestant, Muslim and Hindu live together, not just tolerate one another. He yearns for this because as he noted in that same chapter, 
All of us are interdependent, he writes. Every nation is an heir of a vast treasury of ideas and labor to which both the living and the dead of all nations have contributed. Whether we realize it or not, each of us lives eternally in the red. We are everlasting debtors to known and unknown men and women. When we arise in the morning, we go into the bathroom where we reach for a sponge, which is provided for us by a Pacific Islander. We reach for soap that is created for us by a European. Then at the table, we drink coffee, which is provided for us by a South American, or tea by a Chinese, or cocoa by a West African. Before we leave for our jobs, we are already beholden to more than half of the world. In a real sense, all life is interrelated. The agony of the poor impoverishes the rich. The betterment of the poor enriches the rich. We are inevitably our brother's keeper because we are our brother's brother. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Dr. King understood conjunctions. And conjunctions remind us that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far into the future, into the dream of God, go together. Jimmy Durante was one of the great entertainers of the 20th century. And he was asked to be a part of a show for World War II veterans. He told them that his schedule was very busy and so he could only afford a few minutes and do a, a one short monologue and then immediately leave for his next appointment. The show's director agreed and was happy that he was coming even despite his busy schedule. And so when Jimmy got on the stage, something interesting happened. He performed his short monologue, but then he stayed. <laughs> The applause grew louder and, and louder, and he kept staying. 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes went by, and finally he took his last bow, and he left the stage. And then someone caught him in the backstage and, and said, I thought you said you only had a few minutes. What happened? And so Jimmy said, I'll show you. And, and, and what he did is he pulled back the curtains, and he pointed to the front row and he said, you can see for yourself. And in that front row and where he was pointing were two men who each had lost one arm in the war. One had lost his right arm and the, the other had lost his left. But together, they were able to clap. And that's exactly what they were doing, loudly and cheerfully, left and right, together. They were able to clap. The con conjunction allowed them to function together. They were cheerful and made a team together. They didn't focus on what they lost, but focused on what they had. Together, they were able to do something that they could never do apart. Together. They embodied the coming conjunction of God, which is why the spiritual says, walk together, children, and don't get weary. Together is the triumphant human and divine note for our future. We may prefer a monochrome past or present, 
but we have a polychromatic future. Ready or not, we will be together. But the question is, according to Dr. King, do we have the morality and courage required to live together as brothers and sisters and not be afraid? The question is, will we make room in our hearts and lives for God's and from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages? This is not about the collapse of the world, but the collapse of our myopic, stereotypical thinking about others and the kingdom of God while building up a deeper Christian understanding of life in the conjunctive Jesus Christ, who is both divine and human. And so it's always been about conjunctions for God. From the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, there was an evening and there was a morning. Waters and sky, plants and trees, birds and sea creatures, male and female together. God functions with conjunctions, winter and spring and summer and fall, Jews and Gentiles. Together, there are no built walls in the kingdom of God because those walls are torn down in Christ. In Christ, we come together. Immigrants and refugees and orphans and widows and blacks and whites and Latinos and Asians and Native Americans and Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, Baptists and Episcopalians and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Methodists and Catholics and Nazarenes and Church of God Anderson and Church of God Cleveland and Church of God in Christ and interdenominational and non-denominational and Peter and James and John and Moses and Elijah and Sonny and Cher and Simon and Garfunkel and Donnie and Maria and Bach and Beyonce and Batman and Robin and Starsky and Hutch and Popeye and Olive Oil and Tom and Jerry and Phineas and Ferb and, 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 and every tribe, all people, all nations, all languages, the world's house, all our citizens in God's city, all are God's children together. We may want to build walls, but God will eventually just tear them down. And finally, we'll understand it better by and by. And finally, we'll see the consummation of the holy conjunction when we gather with the angels and elders and the four living creatures and the mosaic multitude from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, all of God's children crying out to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb. 
with a conjunctive celebration of never-ending praise, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Thank God for the and. And all of God's people say together, Amen. <laughs>